Welcome to the Hired by Passion podcast. I'm your host, Marcel Richard, and I will be interviewing artists and entrepreneurs on how they were able to escape the 9 to 5 and turn their passion into an income. Hello, and welcome to the Hired by Passion podcast. I have an interesting interview for you today. A lot of the past episodes have concentrated on being an entrepreneur and doing your own thing. But this was an interesting interview where I'm interviewing someone who talks about the value of finding the correct job instead of trying to find entrepreneurship. It seems that entrepreneurship is gaining popularity today, and I strongly believe in entrepreneurship as well, but I thought it would be interesting to see the flip side of the medal, someone who encourages people to find the right career and have someone hire you from your, something you can be passionate about. So today I have Brian Hurth, who is the founder of the podcast Career Talk Pro. He has a professional career that spans over 25 years in engineering, electronics, and technical management, and focuses now on helping people find the right job for them. So in this episode, Brian tells us about how he discovered his talent for career counseling, how going back to school is not always the best solution. We talk about entrepreneurship versus having a job, obviously. And we also talk about finding your fundamental skills and using them to move into a different field. So without any further ado, here is Brian Hurth. I'm here with Brian Hurth, and Brian, you are someone that I found very interesting because you have a similar path than I did. Well, maybe a, a bit older than I am, but the, I, I'm kind of walking a bit in your shoes of, of having studied the engineering side, and then you're, now you're moving in the career development side, and I thought that was so interesting. I'm really happy to have you on the show, so welcome, Brian. I'm glad to have you here. Marcel, it's a pleasure to be on your program today. Thank you so much for having me. So, Brian, I'd like to start with the first question that I ask all my guests. If you meet someone for the first time and they ask you the famous, what do you do? What's your answer to that question? <laughs> that is a wonderful question. And in fact, I, uh, I kind of chuckle just like I did there every time I get that question, because uh, I think we all, you know, even just just out in amongst, uh, you know, just life. We get that question a lot. And I think for myself, typically I will start off and I will, like I said, I'll laugh. And then I pretty much come in and say, you know what? I wear a lot of hats. I think in most of us these days, we really do. My professional career, as you had mentioned there, um, I have an electrical engineering background. I, you know, went formally to school for that um, and a bit of a business background too. So I still work uh, as an engineering consultant. So to me, I, I usually tell people, hey, I wear a lot of hats. I'm an engineering consultant. I even do some large event productions that I'll either be a volunteer or actually work as logistics behind the scenes a couple times throughout the year. But then I also am very passionate about just kind of the area of career development and career space. So that could be everything from professional development, but in the training sense of building a professional career. And I got into that because I needed it for myself. I mean, I came out of school and I had no mentors. I mean, I had those mentors, teachers, professors. But when it came to building my own career, I didn't have a family name. I didn't have, you know, the uncle who worked for a company who can get me on the fast track. So I had to learn these things. And after years, if not decades of being in the career space, I started seeing a lot of common patterns. And I'm somebody who likes to try out a lot of things. Yeah. Um, so I've had a, a lot of different jobs prior to my engineering career and even through my engineering path. So I just found that, uh, you know, diving in and uh, kind of seeing what these commonalities were, how to actually build a career, how to actually really mature your uh, interview skills, how to actually present yourself as a career professional. To me, it just, it was almost like a kind of a game to figure out. Um, so I just started doing this and through my own discoveries, uh, both friends, families, colleagues, I started kind of training and teaching them kind of the skills I was learning. And next thing you know, that has completely transpired now into 
Uh, I've launched my own company and I'm actually doing that as another kind of iron in the fire there where I'm actually, uh, I now have a professional development uh, training company that helps people really kind of that niche that is the kind of after school or on a job stuff that actually fills in the education you need to know as you develop your career. So that's kind of a long answer to your question yeah. there, but I wear many hats. So No, and and it's a sometimes I feel I feel a bit bad about asking that question because I <laughs> I personally hate being asked that question because I've done so many things and that's mm-hmm. one thing that if you you read up a bit more on your story you had you mentioned that you had 27 jobs. And um in, in today's world it seems to be a bit more normal, but I think the traditional sense has seen that if somebody had 27 jobs, he might not be the greatest hire because he's not going to stay for a while or you're going to invest in him and he might leave. So you think that that stigma is kind of going away or what's your view on the whole switching jobs to try different things aspect? Sure. Incredible question there because um, you're absolutely right. 27 is a lot. And that's from the time I became an adult. So 18, that's not including all the paper routes and everything else as a kid. I'm kind of yeah. dating myself here. Those are a lot of jobs. A lot were, you know, multiple at a time where, you know, I had two or three jobs during college. You know, when I add them all up, that's what it came to be. But even as, a, as an engineering professional, I did run into a number of scenarios early on where they said exactly your point there, Marcel, was, uh, you know, hey, this guy's not going to stick around. So I found a way in engineering to step in as a consultant. And now, because most of my consulting projects are six months, a year, year and a half, I will list on my resume not only that the job title, but I will put as either a contract or consultant or I will make some identification to what that position was. Okay. And I think that's accepted in the industry. If you're consistently changing, it can flag you as you kind of hit your mid to upper level career. But early on, I think it's very common these days for about probably a one to three year window um, maximum when your first job at a school or so is probably the norm. Okay. And it's interesting because I am in a similar situation. I've had a lot of jobs and it's the the sense that I'm still trying to find myself. And I think a lot of people listening are, you know, may, maybe have bounced from job to job because they, they still don't feel that they found what they're meant to be doing. So in all of your career coaching, do you end up in trying to help people in that situation? And in what way do you approach that? Um, I really do. And uh, one thing I do want to kind of touch on here, too, because it just when you asked me that question and it just came to mind is just recently here within the last few months, I, I'm a huge advocate of constantly just educating myself and listening to audiobooks. I'm an audiobook junkie because um, a lot of times I'll be driving to locations and that, that just fills me up. But I believe it was uh, Mark Cuban. He has a book out there about how to win at business. I think it's called How to Win at Sports, How to Win at Business. Um, You can look it up on Amazon, but it's by Mark Cuban. Everybody knows who he is. And uh, he made a comment in this book where he said, your first job, your first job isn't to make money. Your first job is to get paid to learn. So, you know, he said, you need to look at when you come out of school or you come out of, you know, whether it's high school, whether it's college, whatever you step into those first few jobs in your professional career, they're not there to really create a amazing, comfortable living for yourself. They're there for you to earn money while you learn your industry. Yeah. And if you look at it from that, from that angle, I think people would have more success early on because they need to take into consideration that they are learning a whole industry. They're learning a language, they're learning their field, but they get paid to do it. So it's, it's kind of a cool little trade-off there. So yeah, to go back on your question, Noah, how, how do I actually work with doing a lot of career coaching and and training with people, 
I do get a lot of people who come in kind of both spectrums there. Um, some are coming out of school going, I have no idea how to really interview. Yeah. And the others are, I haven't had to write a resume in 15 years. I've been on the same job and it's ending or my company's shutting down or finding that there is no growth here. Um, and we've all been there. You know, I think most of us who've worked in the career space before, it's that two o'clock in the afternoon, you're scratching your head and you're going, I'm bored. I'm sitting here at my desk and my boss is an idiot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I know more than they do. Why am I at this job? And when you have that conversation, I think the best advice I give people is I, I tell them this. And this is kind of a, you know, and I'll throw a little shameless plug in here too, because this is a lot of the training I tend to do in the courses and building out the whole uh, um, career development training that we're doing. Yeah. Is there's there's really two angles here you need to look at that. If that is education, the education college system, and even on the job training that you learn over years, if not decades in the professional industries those are there to teach you how to do your job better. Yeah. And most people go, oh, I need more skill. They go back to school. And what do they do? They learn more skills to do their job better. One thing that's really missing, and this is the conversation I think everyone, every one of your listeners need to actually really consider is however they choose to go about doing this, look at not only what skills do I need to do my job better or to get that next promotion or, or change careers, but what other skills I need to learn on how to professionally develop myself better? You know, how do I interview better? How do I, how do I become more comfortable presenting in front of the room? How do I develop those skills that are more critical to presenting yourself? How do I interview and do the negotiations and understand closing tactics and going into my boss and asking for a raise? How do I develop those skills, develop those muscles? Um, and those are something that oftentimes are not really taught. Yeah. So that that is, I think, is a conversation most people need to look at before they say, I'm going to go spend 20000 and get another degree or certification. You might save yourself some money too. Go out there and say, how do I develop another skill? Could be through anything. Could be through hobbies or whatever. But that's at least the question they need to ask themselves. Yeah. But what I find is that people will often go into education be, to kind of escape where they are at right now. I can take my personal example. I went to do my MBA because I didn't, I didn't feel like I was finding my place in engineering. I'm not sure if it was a great idea. I mean, education is never lost, but I think about it and I'm, you know, for me, it was an escape of just trying to be able to do something different. So what do you recommend to people who have been kind of feel that they've been pigeonholed in a certain industry and that they realize that that's not for them and they want to make the jump, but it's hard to kind of transition from what they were doing to what they think they want to do? Um, big one is, and this kind of goes directly in line with, uh, you know, your, the title of your podcast here and that's, you know, hide by passion. It's, yeah. it, it's easy to sit there and say, go find your passion. Yeah. You hear that all the time and it's, it's a great buzzword, but what does it mean? Exactly. How do you, how do you initiate that? How do you really step into that and say, how do I define my passion? But more than that, how do I turn that into a professional career? Yeah. Um, a big one for me is it's going to be, especially in this competitive job market and just the way that our world changes constantly. I mean, how many of us go out, you get the new whatever gizmo phone is this month and you think it's great. And then five weeks later, they have the new version out and yeah. you're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Um, things change rapidly. So my point is you want to look at your career the same way. You don't want to just completely, if you say, Hey, I'm not happy where I am, but what can I do to start putting another iron in the fire? What other, um, stream of revenue can I start to, to mature? And maybe at some point that could be a supplement. 
maybe if I get two or three supplements, that can replace over time my primary career function. But it's getting out there and maturing those those other areas um, and do it in a way that's not traditional. Okay. You might think to yourself, like, for example, let's just say you're in business and all of a sudden, let's say your passion is in some sort of history, you know, or maybe it could be, you know, anthropology, whatever it is, right? You don't have to sit there and go get other degrees, but you can start going and taking maybe a few college classes that are specific in that niche with no intention of getting a degree but it gets you around the environment of something that's very creative where your mind wants to go. And just that energy alone is going to give you the opportunity to feel more fulfilled even at the job that you're currently doing. And it's neat because even if you go out there and you start doing things that are, you know, hobbies, that energy is going to to translate into your professional career already. So if you enjoy drama and you want to, you know, do some, do an improv class or do a comedy stand-up routine or whatever it is, right? Or you enjoy writing and you, and you start taking a, you know, how do I do professional writing and write, you know, a novel or something. You want to go down that route. Those skills, surprisingly, over time are going to start showing up even in your professional career and once those you, you start kind of creating those other skills, you never know what doors are going to open. And next thing you know, you might be able to take your professional career that wasn't very fulfilling and a hobby or a real interest. And when those two combine, you might take your career in a completely different direction. You had no idea existed until you you know went that path. Yeah. So I tend to early on, that's kind of a lot of advice I give to people is, is just to go ahead and fill yourself up with something that really you enjoy, that passion of yours, but don't think that that's going to be the, you know, I'm not going to go quit my job just to go ahead and uh, start down another road. I hear all the time people say, you know, oh, well, when you, you get to the shores, you burn the boats. Um, I think it's waste of resources. I don't want to burn the boats. I want to take the boats apart and I want to build the next thing in front of me that I need. Yeah. So why, why burn it? Yeah. <laughs> I see both sides of the metal as well of, you know, the burning the boat of having a backup plan to rely on. I, I feel that that has hindered me in a way because you kind of, if you just step into something and by dipping your toes, sometimes you'll never really get in. But if you jump in, you get accustomed to that, the feeling of the water and you're fine, right? But if you're just dipping your toe in, you sometimes you never make the choice to make that jump. So I, I see that. But at the same time, If you can't find, I, I struggle with that myself. When I was working, I, I didn't feel I could find the time to work on my passion, let's say. And now that I'm not working, it's still about as hard to put in the time to work on your passion because you don't really have a clear direction of what you need to do or what you have to do to make a living doing at uh, your passion, right? So doing it on the side and having it as a side kind of business, well, then you, you can kind of see where the opportunities come. And if they don't come, it's not as stressful as well because you don't need to make them happen. So I, I really think there's strength in both. And I what I'm kind of realizing now, I guess, is that everybody has their own path to walk, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to do it the same way and they're not going to be able to find success exactly the same way as somebody else did. They have to make it their own and try their own things and, and see how it works for them. But something I find is very interesting that you talk about is it seems that today there's such a strong emphasis in becoming an entrepreneur of doing your own thing and, and how, you know, maybe jobs are, are a thing of the past, but are they really? And what's your view on that? Great, great question. You're correct. The whole entrepreneur buzz is, it's like anything out there. I mean, just a few years ago, before the 
the housing market crash, you know, it was like flip this house, everything, everybody was trying to flip houses. It's, it's the new buzz. Yeah. And so being an entrepreneur, while it, there are very few real entrepreneurs out there, I think the first thing I'll, I'll lead with is, again, I'm a big advocate of education and, and books. I would say my number one favorite book out there, and if you've never read it, is Robert Kiyosaki's, the second book in his series. It's called Cashflow Quadrant. Okay. He, he did the Rich, Rich Dad, Poor Dad series, and that's the first book. The second book in his series, though, is Cashflow Quadrant. And that book completely changed my view of life especially in the professional career, because it, it goes into that concept of entrepreneurship. Most entrepreneurs think, oh, I'm going to start a business, so therefore I don't have a job. Well, guess what? We all still work within specific industries. And most entrepreneurs, whether they like it or not, they are just self-employed people who own a job. Yeah. And they have to do all of the other tasks associated with the billing, the uh, the marketing of that business, they have to do all of the accounting and the bookkeeping. So they have to take on more tasks than just doing what somebody would do in a professional career. Now, are there upside benefits? Absolutely. But the fact is, and that's why I like Robert Kiyosaki's book so much, is it shows the different uh, angles between being an employee, being self-employed, a true business owner, and someone who is an investor. And what's interesting is we in life all dance between those different, not only those, those different quadrants, but throughout life, we're usually in multiple quadrants at the same time. So just to say, I want to go from an employee and I want to become an entrepreneur, you're still going to be in an industry, still going to use a lot of the skill set that you've learned, whether through your career education or on the job training. So, yeah. so really that's, that's it is I think people get, you know, starry eyed thinking that they're going to start the next Facebook but probably the other, the best thing I, I learned in business as well, and I can't remember uh, to give credit to whichever author this was, but um, it was kind of a cool statement I heard once, which is learn to fail fast. And that's in anything in life. Yeah. So this kind of goes back and dovetails into what we're talking about was if you have uh, a career and you've built that to where, or even if you're starting out and you're using that education to make a living, make a salary, make, you know, whatever earnings. Start dabbling in other areas and learn to fail fast in those areas. Try something. If it doesn't work, tweak it, adjust it, try it again, try something else, go in a different angle. Because the more failures you have, and you know, this is also about risk management. So managing failures, right, is going to allow those muscles to develop. And then you never know what really can transpire from that. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with a lot of that. It made me think about as well. I'm not sure if you read the Emit Revisited by uh, Michael E. Gerber. Mm -hmm. Great and, book. Yeah. Yeah. And he talks about how a lot of people get into entrepreneurship because they want to be Basically, they want to be an employee in their own business. They don't really want to be a business owner. They want, and I think the example was like a baker and she had, she opened the bakery, but she realized that, you know, she really enjoyed making the bakery items and not necessarily running a business. So I think that's the divide on some people really just want to operate in their business of their own choosing and not really run a business itself. Mm -hmm, exactly. And that's what entrepreneurship I think is more about. So, uh, and especially it's funny, I just saw a video today with Gary Vaynerchuk, which I, you know, I, it is kind of a hot commodity, let's say these days, a lot of people uh -huh. are following Gary V. You know, and he's talking about how the, a lot of people say fake it until you make it. And uh, while, you know, I, I kind of believe in that as well, but you can also see his argument, which is that 
today everybody's watching. Mm-hmm. So if you fake it and get caught, well, then you're kind of, it's going to hurt you in the long run. So it's really an interesting changing dynamic with how the internet is working these days and how the competition is becoming global and how everybody can see it, what's happening real time. You're so, absolutely, you're spot on there because again, <clears throat> that, uh, that term, I remember back in the nineties, even that was a big one every, Oh, fake it till you make it. But, but quite honestly, yeah, the, the, the checks and balances are there way too much. And while that has some validity to it, um, not only can get you into more trouble, but at the same token, it's, uh, it, things change too fast. It's, it's hard to try to fake something in a conversation or even a skill set. But at the same time, you know, I've seen people, especially in the professional career space, they, they will say they have a skill and they'll watch a couple YouTube videos, read a Wikipedia post about something and say, oh yeah, I'm an expert in this. Um, and until, yeah, they get hired on, they have to dive deep, you know, so it's, uh, it it can come back to bite you. Definitely. Yeah. I I find it's, we live in an interesting time though, where access to information is there on both sides though. You know, it's, it's easy to, let's say you can BS your way into an interview of saying that, you know, this (laughs) and that, because you were able to find that information easily online. But at the same time is other people can kind of know more about what you're trying to do. And if you're BSing it, there's more chances that they'll actually be able to call you on it. So it's a riskier game, I would say, with today's access to information. Exactly. So yeah. how, how do you think that the internet and the ease of access to information is really changing the job world or the career world today? Um, how does it, that's, wow, that's a great question. Uh, how's the internet really changing the job? Well, first off, it's done both good and bad. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of, I think, internal company dynamics. People are more at, you know, the physical conversations are going by the wayside, which I think is really sad. And I think employers are striving to keep that within their organizations. Communication skills are really going down. I mean, it's great. I can access people. 24-7, multiple different apps to communicate with them, but a lot of the message can be lost, right? So I think, you know, technology is there as a tool, and I think it needs to be seen specifically as a tool, but the human connection still needs to be there. there you still need to be able to articulate your ideas, um, and you need to be able to do though, even if it's using technology, even if you're on video chat, you know, a group call or something, Using technology, but doing it in a way that it is not the primary source of how we communicate, but as a as a tool, as a complement to it, I think is critical. I mean, you and I right now, we're talking, you know, via Skype. You're up there in Canada. I'm down here in South Florida. It's, you know, we have access to great communication, but it's a tool. It's something that we use as a tool, but it's the conversation you and I are having, the back and forths that actually is what really people are interested in. Yeah. But I find that all of these tools, these communication tools, and even these skills are, I find, or I feel are kind of starting to be necessities for everyone. But in addition to all those tools and soft skills that you need to thrive in the today's career world is that you have to be ultra specific in what you do and the skills that you have in your field. And that's making people who are very specialized in one field because you need to be to that level to perform. And then if that industry goes away, well, then you have these ultra specific uh, skilled people who are now stuck with obsolete skills. Exactly. And I think that the, the key there is if you find yourself in a niche that is very specific around a piece of technology, it's really on you to look at two factors. And if, if you recognize that something that is a, could be a potential problem for you, 
yeah, I'll just use an example here. I'm just going to make up a hypothetical. But let's say uh, a young kid comes out of high school, um, him or her, and they are very good at app development and they yeah. develop a little app or something. And they're extremely good at one of the social apps these days that everyone's on. Well, you can sort of build a little bit of a career behind that. But I would say suggestion to somebody like that, they need to start looking at, well, what are more of the fundamentals? What's the, you know, what's the language that you're developing the app in? How can you learn those fundamentals and be able to communicate, you know, those things. So if the app, let's say tomorrow goes away, do you have a skill set to fall back on such as, well, are you a programmer? Are you someone who is very good at uh, maybe social media platforms. Um, and you can translate those skills to other new up-and-coming ones. Education is never going to stop, right? Uh, no matter where in a careers or not, you're always going to be consistently learning. But if you spend the time to really look at the fundamentals and say, this is the fundamental skill that I bring, and then here's all the uh, additional features of the, the latest and greatest, it's going to appeal to both the employer who's looking for those fundamentals, but also to the employer who's looking for maybe, you know, someone who knows the new tech. But once the tech goes away, you're not that person holding basically standing without a chair, I should say yeah. that, you know, you're, you're out the door because they don't need you anymore. Yeah. So, so for someone who was already in that situation, he's listening, maybe he's listening or she's listening to this show because she is in that exact situation and thinking, okay, well, now that I'm stuck with nothing and let's try to make something, let's, you know, if you want to live from your passion, let's say you want to try mm-hmm. to make something. So how can they go back and really uh, figure out? Because I think no work is really fully lost, but is there a way that they can more easily find transferable skills in what they've done? Look at, and I, I would say this kind of goes back to just dovetails on what I was just saying there was, is look at the fundamentals. Look at what you're actually doing and how that translates into a bigger picture. If you are really somebody, you know, like I said, like you're in IT, okay, you know, yes, you may be the best kid on the block, but can you get a, a certification or can you test out of something? Can you show specific skill sets that are marketable? Because when it comes to the end, and this is what's very interesting these days going into technology is, especially in the career space. What most people don't recognize is the first round of communication that you have with most employers. Now, you know, small company, someone down the road, this may differ, but on average across the world these days, especially here in uh, Western cultures, is your first communication, whether it's your resume, cover letter, your application, will be with a computer. It's going to be with some digital format. And you need to be able to know the skills. And these are skills that you can learn, but you need to be able to communicate in a way that both appeals to a human being actually reading a document, but you also need to be able to communicate in a way that your information actually comes up in searches. So if I'm at a company and I'm looking for a nurse who's worked in pediatrics, you know, for kids, I need to have information. My resume needs to be written in a way that it communicates those very specific skills that an employer may be looking for. Because if you just are too general in the way you communicate your skills, that in itself is going to remove you unintentionally out of the running because you're not marketing yourself correctly to an employer. Because they're going to use search engines within their own internal company databases to find skill sets that they're looking for. They're not going to look for Mary Sue, who's worked at XYZ Hospital. They're going to be looking for pediatric nurse with, you know, maybe a very specialized skill or something. 
So that's my recommendation is anybody who's out there, start looking at fundamentals, start looking at those general terms. Um, if you're an app developer, what's the language? You make sure that the uh, computer code language, are you, you know, assembly language? Are you Java? Are you um, C++? What's, what languages are you familiar with? And get those buzzwords in your applications, on your resume, because that's going to help you pop up in those searches. Okay. Maybe this is a redundant question, but if somebody really wants to change industry and go into something that he doesn't feel he has a lot of transferable skills to, how is what's the best way to get in the door with an organization that does something like completely different to what you've been doing for the past 10 years, let's say? Great, great question. And ideally, if you're in that scenario, specifically, like you said, if you've been doing something 10 plus years and you're ready to jump into another organization... A lot of people may actually swallow their tongue when they hear this, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of times you might actually have to step in as a volunteer. Okay. You might have to go in into an organization and show them that you are not so much that you have the skills, but show them your work ethic, okay. show them your ability to learn their industry, have a curiosity about it. Um, that's level of interest is missing in most companies. And if you happen to go in and, uh, you're speaking with, uh, an organization, um, it could be really anything. I, I mean, a lot of organizations, you may not be, have a chance to volunteer at them, but a great way is let's say hypothetically, I'll throw a big one out there is, uh, one of the, you know, big companies here in the U S is Boeing. Okay. Well, Boeing does volunteer work within local communities that they have a presence in. So if you're locally, you know, let's say in Seattle or let's say, you know, um, I, I know they have a big plant down in Oklahoma city. So if you have, you know, different places around the country, they have facilities. And if they're doing volunteer work at things, try to find out when they're, they're volunteering at the local zoo or they're volunteering at a 5k run or something. And see if you can help participate with them. Something completely off the cuff like that could get you standing next to a lot of these people and having a conversation with them and saying, hey, you know, I'd like to come in and maybe help out or, and that's where you start building your networks. But, yeah. you know, to, if to really kind of maybe step into an organization you know, even interns or co-ops, you know, are opportunities. So yeah, definitely. And I think that you, you touched on something that it's a, it's a huge part of it. And it's funny, I feel like lately the, uh, the, the shows haven't talked about it as much as at the start, but the networking aspect of things is severely underrated of being able to volunteer in something. It's not necessarily the whatever task you're going to be doing are probably irrelevant to what you want to do, but the people you get to talk to while you're doing those tasks, that's where the money is, right? That's where the value in volunteering is, is oftentimes with the connections that you're able to make, right? That's correct. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's, uh, you never know if that's going to get you in the door to begin with, but at, at once you start building those relationships, that in itself right there, um, and it could be like said, completely offhand from a skill set. You know, you may not be, you may want to be an engineer and to work for a company like that, but you're handing out cups of water at a 5K run. Yeah. But to, to be shoulder to shoulder and have, you know, access to talk about maybe a shared passion within your career space with somebody in that environment, which really isn't focused on that. If you find the right people, you can start building those relationships. Correct. Okay. So if we're, we're going to come to a close here, but I, I just like to know maybe a bit more about your own story. So how, how did you decide that you wanted to maybe walk away a bit from engineering and get into the career coaching side? Sure. Absolutely. And it's, uh, like I said, it, a lot of my background, I was prior military, so, uh, I was always in communications, electronics, uh, and I'd done a lot of that all the way through late eighties, all the way through the nineties. Uh, 
And I always had a passion for electronics. So I went into electrical engineering later on. Uh, I was the kid who went to college, dropped out, got a job, went back in, you know, bounced around a bit, trying to really find myself. Yeah. Um, and, I, and that's that's something I also want to throw out there to a lot of people is sometimes it can take years, if not even decades. So don't beat yourself up thinking, you know, oh, well, you know, I failed at this. Well, like I said early on, learn to fail fast, you know, and if you fail at something, go try something else. And then if you had an interest in whatever it was, go back and try it again yeah. or try it a different in a way. But from my perspective, how I made the transition really was uh, for not only my own need, um, but I started seeing the what was really working for people. And it was that just the thank yous, the phone calls, the emails, the I mean, a couple examples is I remember early on one of my nieces, she was going uh, just coming out of school. She was the young 20 something year old uh, going for her first couple interviews. She called me up one time because I coached her through some of uh, the interview process. And she called me up and she was laughing and she goes, how did you know? I says, what do you mean? She goes, everything, she said, I had a cheat sheet. She goes, I was, I knew what they were going to ask before they actually asked it yeah. to the point even, she says, they had to call their corporate office, the human resources at their local facility that she was at, had to call their corporate office, HR people, because she was asking questions that they had no idea. Okay. And she's, and she said, and what was interesting is she says it wasn't done from a, uh, an angle of like, she was trying to say, you know, I know more than you. It was yeah. more of, they were so impressed by her ability to ask the right questions. Um, that stuck in their mind. And, if, and she did get that offer. In fact, she got three offers and that was one she, she actually had to turn down. Okay. Um, so I think critically is, you know, for me, it's getting the feedback is knowing that when I work with somebody and I helped them, like I said, redevelop their resume and they put it out there and they were searching for a job for months. We work one weekend that following Monday, not only did they get the call and an interview set up, they had the, they had a job in their industry that following Friday. Okay. Wow. So that, you know, Marcel, that to me, that is, that's the juice. That's the energy. That's the passion. And it's seeing the results from other people and knowing that, wow, you know, I, I really enjoyed helping these people. But so did you yeah. think you would get into this kind of industry? You seem to say you kind of stumbled upon it by helping other people and realizing that you had a skill for it. But in any part growing, uh, you know, throughout your career, throughout your studies, did you think that that might be an avenue for you? Never did. Honestly, okay. never did. I, I was the tech kid. I love technology. I was the old, you know, 80s video game kid at the, you know, pumping quarters in the machine. Okay. Never did I think that. But I found that it was so fulfilling after a while. And I think this is just true for anyone out there is, is, you know, your passions are going to develop out of just skills that you learn over time. And, you know, is this, uh, is, is the training company that I've built, is this something that is, you know, taken over completely? No, because I still enjoy the engineering consulting. I still am very selective about projects I go work on. But that is now taking and has been taking more of a backseat uh, to this new training company that I've built out. Okay. So is there anything that specifically happened that you said, wow, this is a business opportunity? Are you talking, was it, so was it your niece that you said that you helped with her interview? Uh, her and many others. Okay. Was there a specific time where you said, wow, this is maybe what I need to be doing? It, it was quite honestly, it was other people telling me. Okay. And I think you're, and, and that's, an, I think it's something else very important for your listeners is, if you are that go-to person, if people in your circles, friends, family, colleagues, coworkers, whoever it is, if they keep saying to you, wow, and this was the, this is exactly the, the phrase they kept telling me, they're like, wow, you should charge people for this. Okay. You know, or wow, you should teach this. 
after hearing that, I would say hundreds, if not thousands of times from people, I finally was like, okay, I have something here that needs to reach a larger audience. Right. So that's when I started kind of, uh, you know, compartmentalizing the information because at that point it was just me. Um, now we're, we're going through a process, uh, our company that we're, uh, you know, we've launched under, so I have the, uh, my own podcast that I talk with folks on and that is uh, career talk pro. Um, and I, you know, chat with uh, career professionals kind of to get a inside look into their industries, not only just for my audience, but for my own curiosity, I want to know kind of what goes on behind the scenes. <laughs> so yeah. that started from that. And, uh, our training company is uh, career advanced pro. So careeradvantagepro.com is our training company. And we are actually at the stage, we've done a lot of, uh, career coaching and advising up to this point, but we're now getting into productizing, uh, into an actual classes. So, uh, in the past I've done some teaching in college. Um, so I've, I've kind of taken that format and it's a very format that most people are very comfortable with. And we're developing specific courses that are based on a college style curriculum to where it's almost kind of like taking an elective class that is very niche specific on a topic. Okay. So, cool. so to close off, is there any other places you'd want people to go visit you and try to connect with you? I think really uh, they can reach out to me at careertalkpro.com, the podcast there, as well as, uh, you know, they're more than welcome. Uh, I'd love for them to uh, yeah take a look at uh, Career Advantage Pro. We're building this out right now. Within we're Right now, the first product is Resume Advantage Pro, and then that's going to be specifically resume writing. And then we have an interview and a contracting product that's going to be coming out this fall. So awesome. yeah, we're, we're, we're jamming on this because honestly, the demand's there. And it's just, it's great to see, like I said, to, to actually see people gain a lot of help and guidance from this. This to me, that, that is in the end, that's where it really fills me up. So awesome. mm -hmm. thanks a lot, Brian. I really appreciate you coming on the show and all these links that you mentioned, I will, will be in the show notes. So if you, uh, if you're trying to scribble down, you, you can just find the show notes <laughs> and uh, everything will be there. So thanks a lot, Brian, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I thought it was a great chat and I'm looking forward to continue uh, listening to Career Talk Pro podcast. Outstanding. Marcel, thank you so much. Have a fantastic week. Take care. You too, Brian. Bye. Thanks for sticking around till the end of the interview with my guest, Brian Hirth. I hope you were able to find some value in our chat. I thought it would be interesting to talk about maybe more about the aspect of having a job versus entrepreneurship. It's something we, we talked about in this episode, and I thought it was interesting because it seems that there's so much of an emphasis right now on following your passion and doing it through entrepreneurship. But I think there are ways that you can do that through a job and maybe finding a job is the best option for you. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to start your own business to be able to be hired from your passion. So I really enjoyed all the insight that Brian was able to bring on how to find a job and how to market, find marketable skills of what you're doing right now and get back to the maybe the foundation or the fundamental skills of what you're doing to be able to use that as a transferable skill to do something else. As with other guests who've been on the podcast, Brian mentioned how volunteering can really be a key in order to get into the kind of field and network with the people that you want to network with in order to be able to work in a different field or something totally new. So I, I totally support that as well as volunteering, using volunteering as a way to be able to reach your goals of trying something new. I really enjoyed uh, Brian quoted, I think, Mark Cuban when he said that the goal of your first job is not to get paid, but to be paid to learn. And I think there's a lot of strength and value into that. And Maybe when you're looking for a job, not necessarily look for the job that makes the most money, but look for the job that's going to give you the opportunity to learn the skills you want to learn and be able to maybe get better at doing that through that job in order to eventually 
work it in a way that you want to do it in. So I hope you enjoyed the show and you took some value from it. If you did, I would greatly appreciate it if you would share it with your friends and family or, or anyone you think that might benefit from this information. I also want to invite you to connect with me on, through the Facebook group or through the HiredByPassion.com website. And I'd love to get feedback from what you think of this episode or any other episode. With that, I wish you a great week and hopefully I'll catch you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Hired by Passion podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would greatly appreciate a five-star rating and review on iTunes. 